Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Some advice that I would have for the listeners today, especially founders who are more in an early stage journey, just know that done is better than perfect. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show the founder and tea sommelier behind teas, Sheena Brady. Uh, it's an all-natural tea and botanical-based tea blends and beauty staples to support your everyday rituals without compromising convenience, sustainability, and impact. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chase. Absolutely. I can't believe I didn't goof on that intro. There were some hard words in there. <laughs> Fair enough. And believe it or not, a tea sommelier is a real thing. <laughs> I, I believe you. So uh, let the people know what are the a, a little more in depth, what are the products that you guys are bringing in the market there? Yeah, absolutely. So at Teas, we focus on wellness-centric uh, blends that are formulated with all-natural tea and botanical ingredients to really support your everyday wellness rituals. And uh, we do that with sustainability in mind. And this past year, we launched the world's first fully biodegradable and refillable tea collection uh, amidst a supply chain crisis, which was no easy feat, uh, but something that we're super proud of. And in addition to that, uh, we also branched out into beauty-adjacent products as well that are also infused with tea and botanical ingredients. So think like coconut chamomile bath treatment soaks and, you know, beautiful Earl Grey energizing body scrubs, matcha masks, that sort of thing. Uh, it sounds like uh, you've always kind of had a thing for tea. So take me back in time. Um, where did the, you know, love of tea come from? And then when did it start to evolve into more of a business? Yeah. So my background before uh, doing what I do now in this life, as I say, was in hospitality. I went to school for hospitality. I wanted to own a restaurant one day. Like that was, that was my big dream. And that career led me on an incredible journey to work in some great cities under some Michelin star chefs and some luxury resorts throughout New York, California, and then eventually uh, ended up in Toronto. And when I started working at the Shangri-La Hotel in Toronto specifically, I was a service manager and I was about two weeks on the job where, you know, my boss asked me, Hey, Sheena, we want you to build the biggest tea program in all of Toronto. Uh, and not only that, but it needed to be a minimum of 75 different, you know, teas and blends sourced from around the world, but then also be able to train the staff on um, cultural ceremonies that are different based on uh, where home is for you. And so, that was an interesting challenge because I, I'm actually a wine sommelier by trade. Uh, and so just to prove a point, I said yes, but the plot twist at the time is that I didn't even drink tea. Um, so I knew I had my work cut out for me. And just to give you a, an idea of like how much I didn't drink tea, you know, I was very much a subscriber of coffee culture, like really getting through multiple cups of coffee a day to kind of just get through the daily grind. And if anyone listening has ever worked in hospitality before, you especially know what I'm talking about. You're 
you're working, you know, 10 to 15 hours a day, nights, weekends, holidays, uh, essentially to please strangers. And the only way, you know, most people kind of get through that is through copious amounts of coffee, which is not great for you. Obviously too much of anything is not great for you. Um, but that amount of coffee actually led to anxiety, insomnia, digestion issues. Uh, I really wasn't living a healthy lifestyle, uh, to say the least, and just really trying to climb, you know, climb that career ladder. So when I was asked to create this tea program, mostly to prove a point, uh, I thought, okay, well, I need to actually walk the talk because I, I don't even drink tea. Uh, so that's where I enrolled to become the, the certified tea sommelier that I am today, uh, which was an eight-month journey. And through that journey, I learned everything from you know how to blend tea, cook with tea, bake with tea, tea-infused cocktails, importing tea, exporting tea, general health and safety regulations, everything in between. So the entire industry from garden to cup, basically. Um, but what I didn't expect, in addition to proving that I'd be capable of learning about the vast world of tea and implementing a PR-worthy program for the hotel was that I would completely fall in love with tea because um, what I learned about tea is that however you're feeling, there's usually a blend to support that goal or desire. And that's when it kind of clicked for me. Next thing I knew, instead of reaching for, you know, my second or third cup of coffee in the afternoon, I was transitioning to Yerba Mate, which had a scientifically different strain of caffeine that would give you this clean energy and focus uh, and not give you the jitters and crash. Or in the evening when I needed to wind down, I'd have a beautiful cup of, you know, rooibos uh, or valerian root. And so that's when it clicked for me. And I started to have some fun uh, blending tea out of my condo in Toronto. I launched a Shopify store with uh, $500 and uh, a Shopify store in inventory. That was it. Like it was so scrappy and just for fun. And it was really more of a creative escape from this demanding career than than a business in, in its early days. So that's the early day story. Okay. What year were you challenged with creating this program? This would have been in 2013. And then what year in what year did you kind of launch the store? That same year, uh, late 2013. So in December of 2013, I officially launched Tees. And uh, when I was first, and you have to keep in mind, like I was barely 24 when I started this. So I had no business starting a business. Like the first time I went to college, it was for business and I dropped out before I went to hospitality. And I did grade nine math three times. So, you know, I'm just stereotypically not the person uh, that generally you would think would, would go into business, let alone succeed and thrive in business. Um, so when I first started the business at like 24 years old, I thought, you know, in order to be competitive against all these, you know, tea companies and every shopping mall and everything else that's going on, I'm going to make tea sexy. And so that's where the name teas came from. T E A S E was, you know, a little cheeky, a little provocative. Um, and I had all of these like really sexy, cringy tea names early on in like hot pink, you know, fonts. And I used to package my tea with boas instead of bubble wrap just to like really make a statement. And, um, and I remember like my most cringy moment was, you know, back in the early days of influencer marketing when it wasn't as, you know, uh, difficult as it is now, but I, I sent some product to a YouTube influencer back in 2013. And I remember them opening up the box and like this big pink poofy boa comes out and there's like feathers everywhere. And she's all upset because now she has to like vacuum her floor and it was a whole thing. So um, fortunately, I did pivot to the brand very early on um, from that hot pink boa mess. 
Um, and uh, yeah, but one of the things that's always stayed with T since our early days is our, is our investment in women. You know, even in those very early days in 2013, um, we were a social enterprise. I say we, it was obviously just me in those days. But we were a social enterprise before I even knew what that word meant. I just knew from my own complicated and dynamic uh, upbringing, which is a Dr. Phil episode for another day, but uh, that I wanted to be a part of investing in, you know, an ecosystem of supporting other women. So whether that was, you know, product donation, volunteering, um, and if the profits made sense, cutting a check in the early days, uh, you know, we were, we were well aligned with different not-for-profits and, and charities before we got a lot even more intentional about our social impact today. Absolutely. I know that, um, one thing that our audience loves me asking is you built a story, threw things up online. What next? How did you get those first couple of customers? What was that kind of journey like? Because I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are right there about to launch or, or have launched and that's their struggle is finding that first round of customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, it was a painful amount of trade shows. Like I did just as much offline as I did online. And I think that was really important. That, that was one of the big things. So finding the right trade shows uh, that were aligned with my demographics. So I would go to, you know, the healthy brain and body show, the women's show, the wedding show, like anything that's aligned with my demographic. I was there. Um, but further to that PR, like I really hit the ground running, doing my own PR early on uh, by simply being consistent and relentless. And, you know, if we talk about that very general law of conversion in e-commerce where 3% of checkouts, you know, if, if you have 3% of your customers checking out, you're, you're killing it. Obviously, that depends on industry and whatnot. Um, I looked at that general law the same as PR. It's like expect to reach out to 100 leads. And if three reach out and, you know, actually want to feature you on this local TV show or a national platform, um, then that's great. And so I kind of kept that mindset. And uh, we've always had exceptional PR since our early days from local, you know, TV to national broadcasting to, you know, we've been featured on uh, Dragon's Den, which is our version of Shark Tank here in Canada. We've been on the Ellen Show, Good Morning America, The View. Um, so, So that was a really, a really big, you know, focus because it's especially now today, it's harder than ever to attain new customers. Um, and doing your own PR takes a lot of work uh, and a lot of consistency and endless amount of follow-up, but it can be worth it. I love that you shared kind of that conversion number. That's something that no one's really kind of hit the nail on the head with when it comes to outreach and, and doing your own PR. It, it is, like you said, a lot of work. And it's going to be a lot more strikeouts before you hit the ones that, that work out. But when they do, it can change things. Definitely. So when you're you're building this business and you're doing all this stuff yourself, are you still now are you still working kind of the previous job? And how long was it before you went all in on teas? Yeah, so I actually grew teas as a side hustle in parallel to a career at Shopify. So I worked at so I should rewind a little bit. After about I'd say eight months or so having the business at the hotel, um, I got fired. Candidly, I got fired uh, because. I think my internal misery ended up catching up with me. Like I said about the hospitality industry, it is a really difficult one and you're sacrificing so many relationships uh, with friends, families, uh, and otherwise in, in the process. And so I think, um, you know, at the time it was devastating when I, when I was fired. Um, but looking back on it, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause I think logically most people would say, okay, well, I'll just get another job in hospitality. It's what I know and like pay the bills and, and work on my side hustle. But I knew my lifestyle still 
still wasn't fully working for me yet, despite, you know, kind of discovering uh, tea and how it could support me in my everyday wellness rituals. So um, I decided to leave the industry entirely and I got a job in Shopify as a support person. So, you know, in the early days, like I think, I don't know, it was like 17 bucks an hour. It was a very like entry level role, very different than what I was paid as a service leader at this beautiful hotel. But for me, it was just an opportunity to like, okay, I know when to clock in, when to clock out. I can work on my business at the same time. And let's be clear here, there's no better e-commerce school on this planet than to actually be on the phone every single day with like hundreds of merchants or live chatting with them and just like figuring out shit in real time. Um, And so it was a really cool experience uh, getting to start in Shopify support. Uh, And then I grew my career in parallel and I grew my side hustle into a seven-figure company while working at Shopify um, and only very recently have gone all in on teas eight years later. Oh, that's fantastic. And and you are correct as like, there is no better school than Shopify itself and interacting with merchants. And I hear this from people that work in the SaaS industry as well, like salespeople, like learning like what problems people are trying to solve. It's just like, just get on the phone and don't even try to sell people things. Just let them complain. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn so much cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone listening who isn't ready, like who can't necessarily pay the bills yet on their business uh, and they need to have that, you know, that full-time income or whatever income, you know, I think sometimes it might take a bit of sacrifice. Like for me, what was comfortable was hospitality. I was making really good money. It was great. It was more than paying the bills, but I was miserable. And I knew I wasn't getting the hours I needed to focus on my business because of how demanding the industry was. And so I had to take a step back into an entry-level job. Yes, in my opinion, one of the best companies in the world. Um, But I think, what does that look like for, for you? If you're trying to get your business off the ground, is there a place that you can work that might be a bit of a pay cut, but the benefit is learning something similar to your craft that you're trying to focus on in your business, like go for it. And I believe like you'll win every time. And and I also don't subscribe to this idea that like you have to go all in, you know, within your first year or two as well. I think it can be uh, a beautiful like progress, a progressive journey and also more sustainable. Because if I had quit my full-time job years ago, you know, would teas be bigger today? I don't know what I don't know, possibly, but I'd like to think that a lot of the operational leadership and fundamental commerce skills that I've learned has only helped me and grow my business and be here today. Yeah, I I can't agree more. And I think that anyone out there that wants to get into e-commerce and be their own boss someday and like run a brand or maybe be on the other side of things, like run a service business, go work for someone else that's doing it and just learn the playbook. It's I failed my way to do this seven years later. And I know for a fact if I went and worked under someone else, I could have learned all this stuff in two years and like cut a lot of corners, you know. But uh, you know, sometimes you have to take the hard road in life and, and figure stuff out on your own. Absolutely. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E dot I-O. Struggling to get your Merchant Center ads approved but keep running into a price mismatching error? Wondering how your competitors are showing reviews, price, delivery, and product availability directly in search results? What if there's a way to get more traffic without fighting for rankings? Well, that's where Jason LD for SEO comes in. It's an app that gets you more organic traffic to your Shopify store, qualifying you for over a dozen search enhancements. 
and provides all of the structured data you need for Emergent Center. JSON-LD for SEO automatically adds the structured data needed and it's updated regularly as the rules change by Google. It's a hands-off SEO app that you don't need to monkey around with to get working. It's the safest, easiest, and most effective way to stand out from your competitors in search results. Contact us to get your free structured data audit for your store. Find Jason LD for SEO in the Shopify app store to get started. That's J-S-O-N-L-D for SEO, or go to jsonld.app. Q4 is the main event for e-commerce and DTC brands. All those months of preparation, managing inventory, and balancing your cash flow are about to pay off. But how can you use this holiday season as a springboard to make 2023 your best year yet? The answer is funding. Funding opens doors for your business. It enables you to place larger inventory orders, invest more in marketing, and ultimately grow your business. Plus, now is the best time of the year to secure funding as you can unlock the best rates. Revenue-based finance from Wayflyer is fairer, faster, and more flexible than traditional funding options out there. Get approved for funding in hours and cash in your account within days. There's no interest rates or personal guarantees, just one simple fee. Most importantly, you keep full ownership of the rocket ship of a business you've worked so hard to build. To learn more about funding from Wayflyer and how you can unlock growth for your business and turn the main event of Q4 into a record year in 2023, visit wayflyer.com slash ecom slash honest. That's wayflyer.com slash ecom with two M's slash honest. Wayflyer, funding a better way. You mentioned that uh, you finally went all in on the brand. You know, was there kind of like any light bulb moment or like, all right, this is the time I got to go? And you know, anything happening in the business where you're like, all right, like this has to be my true focus. Yeah, that's a great question. When I felt I outgrew my job and it outgrew me, if that makes sense. Um, and I and I. I don't want to be careful with what, what I'm going to say because Shopify as a company ha- has been nothing but like exceptional to me over the years. Um, but, you know, I think the moment anyone starts opening up their laptop and they, they have that mindset of, oh, I have to do this versus I get to do this. Mm-hmm. That's one of those really important moments to consider making a change. Um, and I think I'm very lucky and blessed for as long as I had been for years at Shopify, where opening that laptop, laptop, it was like, I get to work with amazing people. I get to help our merchants directly and indirectly succeed every single day. Um, and then it just started to slowly feel like, oh, I have to do this. Um, and so that was that was a moment for for me for sure. And obviously making sure that succession planning wise that I had like the ability to make sure I could pay myself, obviously, uh, in a way that, you know, was going to pay the bills before, before I quit that job. Um, and you know, I think even leaving that full-time job, let's be real, that is a pay cut for any, like for anyone that's going into full-time founder mode versus what they were making, you know, with their full-time job. Um, but it's, it's also knowing that like, that's okay. I think like progress is this like eventual spiral up. And with that spiral up, you sometimes have that little bit of regression or a step back, but it's ultimately progress in the, in the bigger picture. Absolutely. So you already mentioned earlier that like one of the key, you know, avenues for growth was PR. Was there anything else uh, that you were using to help scale T's uh, throughout its kind of life cycle? 
Yeah. A hyper-personalization was a big one. And again, like sometimes there are some tools that can automate personalization in the, you know, the, the commerce experience for customers. Um, but sometimes it just means rolling up your sleeves and, and doing it the manual way. Um, in my earliest days with T's, I took the time to write a personalized email to every single customer that purchased from me and not in a like, you know, unsubscribe here at the bottom type of like, I know that automation exists, obviously, like I can set up the triggers to do that, but I know customers are intelligent enough to see through that today. Um, and so just taking the time, if it was their first time purchase, you know, just saying, thank you. It means a lot as a small, but growing brand. I'm curious, like, you know, how did you discover us in the first place? Thank you for your trust, um, et cetera. And opening up that dialogue, just making that customer feel so connected. And I can't tell you how many customers are still loyal to this day, like eight years later, because I took the time to write those emails in the first place. So um, I think that hyper-personalization was a big one. And um, even doing that on social media, right? Like if people are going out of their way to post about your product or talk about it organically, um, don't just do like a little double tap like, like actually DM them and just say, Hey, like, thank you so much for posting your unboxing. Like which blend was your favorite out of curiosity? Or did you know that one happens to make a fantastic iced latte? Here's a quick recipe. Like always like offer a little bit more value than people expect. Oh yeah. That's, that's fantastic advice. It, it's something that's like kind of a commonality with interviewing founders. It's like do the stuff that doesn't scale at the beginning and you're going to get all that feedback from customers to help, you know, with product innovation or better kind of marketing messages or help, you know, improve the experience of the website at times. Like people just tell you straight up that thing's broken. And you're like, great, thank you. And now I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And you're right. And like, I can't tell you how many, you know, UX issues or even just like product can like feedback that people shared with me in those emails that how would they have shared it with me otherwise? You know, so it, it's just great to your point. Awesome. Looking back on on your journey, is there anything that stands out to you as like uh, uh, maybe a mistake or or just something that you learned that you kind of want to help some of our listeners try to avoid? Great question. Some advice that I would have for the listeners today, especially founders who are more in an early stage journey. Just know that done is better than perfect. And I know that that sounds like super cliche and we all know what that means, but I fundamentally believe it. Um, you know, at Tease, uh, like I said, with our with our social impact, we have a sister organization called Founders Fund that basically helps support underrepresented women entrepreneurs gain access to mentorship, resources, and funding. And so within that community, I get to talk to early stage women founders all the time, uh, particularly. And the amount of times that I get on these like mentor type conversations and they are just full of analysis paralysis. They're like, you know, what if this? How do I do that? And to the point where many founders seem to worry about problems that don't even exist yet. Um, and that is just not helpful or productive to your mental health, your energy, uh, your business. You know, so really focus on the things you can control and just get it done. Like I joke about my packaging, um, having more updates than iOS over the years. Like it's truly amazing 
embarrassing when you look back. Like I've had so many iterations of my packaging in the early days. Like I said, they were really, really cringy and awful. They were such a mess. Like if you were making tea and you accidentally spilled some water on my packaging in the early days, it would smear off all the font. Cause I was like printing it with my own ghetto printer, Avery labels and not using the right type of labels, but they were cheaper. But the point is I had a product, I had it done. I had an MVP. I got it out there. Um, and you don't know what you don't know. And, and all you can do is keep getting better as you go. And so if you're questioning, like, should I launch that thing? Um, you know, should I ship that product? Is this ready yet? You know, just take a step back and say, is this the best that I can do right now? Okay, great. Get it out. Like done, done is better than perfect any day. Oh, absolutely. And if you uh, read, I, I believe it's the Lean Startup. There's a quote in there. It's like, if you're not embarrassed by your first version of your product, like you waited too long. And it, it is. The analysis, analysis paralysis is so real. Um, and I, it's it's quite often people are building out systems as if they're an eight-figure business. And it's like, no, just go get sales. Go get customer feedback. Like that's Spend 90% of your time trying to get sales in the first year of your business. Like Everything else will come later because the sales will support it and you'll need it. Well said. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So uh, is there anything I forgot to ask you about today that you think would resonate with our audience? The only thing that I, I'd like to add is... I, and I think we're seeing this more and more is the importance of an omni-channel strategy. So just making sure where your customers are. And for again, for early stage founders, like maybe like, what, what does omni-channel even mean? It just basically means selling where your customers are, right? And, and I think that's the important thing. I think gone are the days, like long gone in my personal opinion, where you can survive just off of e-commerce or just B2B through retail um, or just you know friendly market like pop-ups. I I think it's almost like a hybrid and combination of everything and and being able to be equipped to sell, you know, online on social media to have a loosely structured influencer campaign and and just keep refining it as you go Um, to work on, you know, co-partnerships with other brands um, to work with subscription boxes. If it makes sense with your brand to be in retail, to be in online and don't get me wrong. That's a lot. That's a lot of channels to navigate. But I think that if there's anything we've learned at T's in the last eight years, it's that it's super critical to be where your customers are and they're not they're not just in one place. So. Absolutely. That's great advice. Now we've talked a lot about the tea. If you know I'm now want to try these, where do I go? Where should I buy them? Yeah, absolutely. So you can check us out at teaswellness.com. So T-E-A-S-E wellness.com. And we actually have this beautiful evergreen promo for our first time customers. So if you buy three or fourth is free. So you get an opportunity to just have a complete collection out of the gate. Um, and like I said, we created the world's first fully biodegradable and refillable collection. And so what, I, what I'm most proudest of about our products is that not only is the packaging super Instagram worthy and just beautiful and stunning. Um, but I always hated the idea of throwing out beautiful packaging. There's nothing that would, you know, hurt my soul a little bit than getting this gorgeous product that has a box that I then just, you know, toss or recycle. So our packaging is fully refillable and uh, it's kinder to the planet and your wallet uh, as uh, it's a lower price point per serving when, when you refill too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Sheena, and sharing all of that awesome information. My pleasure. Thanks, Chase, for having me. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.